1: This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. My name is Ben Burnett. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I host a podcast for the Podcast Park called The Ben Burnett Show. Tuesdays, we take long-form interviews around people. Most of the time, they're from Georgia, but they're not always from Georgia. And we tell you about who they are. Most often, we have people out of a background of public service, state house, state senators, mayors, congressmen, on up the stack. I've had David Perdue over time when he talked about deciding to run a race against Brian Kemp. I've had Brad Nessler, the voice of CBS Sports, on behalf of the SEC. I've had Marcus Allen, the Heisman Trophy-winning running back, NFL Hall of Famer. All super neat people, all of them local to the metro area. In a couple of weeks, we're going to venture out to Texas. We're going to talk to the Texas Business Association, which is like the Georgia Chamber of Commerce, only about 10 times the size. Talk about all the interesting things that make up what that state deals with, with with respect to illegal immigration, with respect to nearshoring, with respect to NAFTA. We're going to broaden the strokes a little bit and show you more of what this country has to offer. It's one of the great things about sending revenue through the show. I put it all back in. Speaking of putting all the revenue back in, you can f- and you can follow me on Instagram at the Ben Burnett Show. And if you will send me a message, I do not need anything from you. I will send you a Peach State Pride performance hoodie with a little fancy logo on it. These things are super nice. About $100 worth of value. We'll just even mail them to you. We don't care. Something for nothing. When I tell you something for nothing, most of you are like, well, what's the catch? There actually is no catch. Just follow along. Send me a message. Say hello. We'll mail them to your house. If you've got a friend or a loved one that wants one, just lie about your size and ask if you can have two. Give me your address. We'll just ship them right over. Something for nothing on behalf of Peach State Pride and Extra 1063. This is Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. This week has seen a lot. We've had an election day in Kentucky, Virginia, Mississippi. We've had the third presidential debate, not to be overshadowed by the fourth presidential debate next month in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We think the extra 106.3 audience is conservative, and look, I hear from plenty of you. It's plenty conservative. The audience in that debate in Tuscaloosa in a couple weeks, that might be the most conservative audience the Republicans will ever have the opportunity to Placate to, solicit votes from. But at this point, I really just don't think any of that is that interesting. I watched Wednesday night like plenty of you for two hours. I watched Vivek Ramaswamy talk about Nikki Haley's daughter using TikTok. I listened about who loves Israel the most, who loves the troops the most, who wants to cut taxes the most, who loves unborn kids the most. And none of it resonates with anybody, any of you. I think there's plenty of people like me. Look, I'm probably a Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis guy. We'll wait for Super Tuesday for the polls to get a little bit clearer. I'm casting my vote in favor of whoever's in second place. He goes to the morning show. Los has been loud and proud over Ron DeSantis for a long time. I could easily see myself going that way. Tug Coward's voting for Vivek Ramaswamy, a self-made man who's clearly taking the Trump playbook. But look, if you wanted me to be honest with you, the reason that Donald Trump worked in 2016 was because people knew who he was. They knew he was. He had been on basic cable television for two decades, most of the time talking about The Apprentice. you fired. And he built a brand. He's got a real estate empire all over planet Earth. He's always been a media darling. Ramaswamy isn't that. And Ramaswamy is plenty talented and plenty gifted as a communicator, and he's got enough money to sit there and hang around to the end. But you almost have to build the brand of who you're going to be on a national stage before you have the opportunity to get out there and really make something happen. And I think that some of that is a little bit regretful, but it's 100%. You look at why people know the name of Marco Rubio. Rubio sat in the United States Senate now in, his, in the middle of his third term. You look at people like Rick Scott, another senator from Florida, in his first term. But he was the governor of Florida. He's done. A, he did a lot for Florida when he was the governor. And he's able to thread the needle both ways. And he's plenty conservative, but you never hear about the environmental actions that he's put in place and how Rick Scott really went to war with the insurance companies to keep things somewhat manageable for people who wanted to live in Florida. Rick Scott's a super talented guy who also this last week has endorsed publicly Donald Trump for president, and I have to feel like there is just some semblance of bitterness there. Perhaps he's jealous that Ron DeSantis has put him a lap down in the, on the national stage with respect to Florida, but I don't take anything away from Rick Scott. I... I really wish sometimes that the petty, jealous nature of things like, oh, well, that bruises my ego. I mean, these people are nerds. They are nerds, y'all. You look, I bet DeSantis is the only guy on that stage. And I told you, I'm not necessarily voting for him, who understands the background of competitive athletics because he played baseball at Yale. And I mean, I say competitive athletics kind of half hearted. When you look at playing baseball at Yale, I don't think they're sending a lot of people onto the Atlanta Braves roster, but there's probably a couple of them out there in Major League Baseball, but you learn how to compete, and you learn how to deal with adversity, and a lot of these politicians don't, and and so many of them are not used to calling fouls. When you looked at the debate stage last week, Nikki Haley was all up in arms because she went after Ramaswamy again over his utilization of TikTok. Guys, I think TikTok's evil. I'm not on TikTok. But I also think Instagram's probably pretty evil. And I think that Twitter used to be really evil. They want your data. They want to know who you are. And Ramaswamy, when he got attacked by Nikki Haley this time, he was ready. He said, well, if you want to ban TikTok amongst the American people, why don't you get your daughter off of it? And she lost her collective bleep. And I thought it was great. So often she was like, how dare you inject my family into this race? You have no class. You're scum. There is no dignity in your campaign. I'm not going to tell you that she's wrong. But I'm telling you, Republicans have got to get to a place where they quit calling fouls. And if you want to roll out campaign policies, you ought to know who represents your family tree a little bit down the stream. Because we have no problem pointing out the flaws of people like Herschel Walker over his relationship with his son. And look, that was a debate that came front and center We have no problems talking about Jared Kushner and his $2 billion from the Saudis after he left appointed office as a part of his father-in-law, the president's administration. Nikki Ailey having a daughter who uses TikTok is totally and reasonably fair. Is that something that I would have said? You know, if you were going to beat on me over that stance, I probably would have gotten to a place where I would would have eventually said it. But I don't begrudge Ramaswamy for pointing out the truth because it's the truth. Are we really going to be people who are that mad over what our children's social media accounts happen to say? I mean, who knows? To me, that was one of the things that was totally, totally fair, totally biased. Like, If you want to inject something about my children and like their religious beliefs or who their spouse or partner is like, I guess probably out of bounds for a guy like me. But talking on a national stage about why it's right and why it's wrong to ban TikTok is totally fine. And I'm not a Ramaswamy guy in the least. I don't blame him for saying it. In fact, I wonder why he didn't say it earlier. If you want to attract young voters, you have to be forward thinking. My biggest problem with the United States government in 2023 is that they are reactive to absolutely everything. And there's nothing about playing downfield. We have known about artificial intelligence for years. Plenty of you have only known about artificial intelligence for the last year since chat GPT or the last 18 months. But you expect more out of your intelligence communities. And you also expect your members from Congress on both sides of the aisle to be people to say, hey, you should be careful about this. And we haven't done anything to legislate one way or the other. And we're talking about what that conversation is going to look like. But you should be aware, average American, that this is something that could potentially bring harm upon our country, our national security, or even as granularly as your family. I think that's the reasonable right thing to do, and we don't do it. We talk so often about what those issues are that are going to be, and you see some of them. You'll hear about it in a couple of weeks in one of my interviews with a guy named Glenn Hammer who runs the Texas Business Association. The United States federal government has allocated billions of dollars to get the chipsets back on shore to the United States of America because we saw with COVID when people were forced to stay home, technology became even more front and center than it previously had been and all of those chips were in China and we didn't know everything and we probably candidly still don't know everything that that's capable of. But that was the right conversation to do. That's the right thing to have. It's right for states like Georgia and Texas and Arizona and even California to sit there and be like, we want these companies here because we want to know what's in the guts of what we're giving to our average American people and we don't trust Huawei and we don't trust China and we really shouldn't trust anybody at this point. If other countries want to come to us for our chipset, That's fine. Do so at your own risk, because I would tell them, you don't know what we are burying in that either. And I'm not sitting here telling you that Intel and Micron are doing bad things. I think we're nearshoring that for a really good reason. But all of that stuff goes into the artificial intelligence and the compute power. Guys, the 21st century gold is intelligence. It's business intelligence. It's predictive analytics. It's when are you going to buy something? It's when are you going to need something? When are you advertising Look at your feeds on social media. It's like they live inside your brain and it's everybody. It doesn't matter if you like cat videos like Tug and I were talking about earlier this week out at Dogwood when I was filling in for the Kimmer. And it doesn't matter if you're looking at considering joining a country club. They know. They know absolutely everything about you. The Ben Burnett Show can be found on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. Thursdays, I do my thought in one take. This past week, we talked about the elections that are taking place around the country. States like Virginia. Mississippi, Kentucky, and why the Republican message that we felt so strongly about? I, hell, I felt strongly about it. I thought Glenn Youngkin was going to pick up his House of Delegates. I thought he was going to cruise into his potential reelect in two years with a Republican House and a Republican Senate, and he was going to turn conservative politics and ideology loose. And it didn't happen. And I was as shocked as the rest of you. I was less shocked when I saw Democrat Andy Bashir, who stayed a million miles away from President Joe Biden. Win his re-elect against Daniel Cameron because he couldn't mobilize and get people to the polls. I also thought it was interesting that a state like Ohio that voted for Donald Trump by some 25 points, that has nearly 4 million people come out to vote in an off-year cycle election over abortion, and that issue lost By a 5743 margin. That's a staggering statistic. There are things that we have to get back to and have conversations about. You can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. And if you will send me a DM uh, and your size, I will send you a Peach State Pride hoodie. Just give me your address. This is Extra 1063, Atlanta's All Conservative Talk Station. We will be right back.
0: This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning.
1: This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. I am so grateful for you. Thanks for making me a part of your day. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at the Ben Burnett Show. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I release a podcast on the Podcast Park. You can go listen to... Brian Fenneran talk about the Falcons. You can listen to Chris Domino talk about baseball, and you can listen to me talk about politics. They're deeper dives into the things that you know and love across sports, politics, really anything. Late last week, the Wall Street Journal reports that the IRS is raising the tax brackets and the standard deduction by five point four percent. Finally. There is some good news to all the inflation that this country has seen over the course of the last four years. I'm personally, I'm thrilled. As much money as I can keep out of the federal government's hands, I'm excited about. One of the things that I think Donald Trump had, was, had really good intentions about was getting rid of some of the loopholes for your average person. Most people now, I, I bet it's well over half, file standard deduction, single or married filing jointly number of kids, whatever, it takes all the guesswork out. You don't have to itemize your taxes anymore. It gives you the opportunity to go online, get away from the giant CPAs, makes it easy. Fewer people are audited unless you're one of the people at the top. And and I hate the IRS for those of us who sit there and actively work and try to do well and have to account for absolutely everything and pay thousands of dollars a year to the CPA. I get over that stuff really quickly but apparently there is finally less work that I'm going to have to do on my taxes. It is insane. The top tax bracket in this country is 37%. It'll apply to incomes over $731,200 if you are married filing jointly. Guys, I mean, that is if you are doing that and you are in my audience, man, send me a DM. I want to know all the secrets. I'm trying to get there. I've still got a ways to go. I think... Probably 95% of us have a pretty good way to go. And I do think that that's ultimately the right thing to do. This is Extra 1063 Atlanta's only conservative talk station. Brian Kemp, in the last week, also announced that he was suspending the gas tax in the state of Georgia through Thanksgiving. Thank you, buddy. That'll save everybody getting on the road and going to Grandma's house in advance of the Christmas season. You what could potentially be hundreds of dollars He's got a $5.3 billion surplus at the end of last year, so I'm excited for all of you to be able to do that. He's like, we're just needed out of the general fund. That is fine. There's a, huge, there's a huge problem, and Republicans are plenty guilty of looking at stuff in the same way. I just told you, the IRS is raising the standard deductions in each of the tax bracket thresholds by 5.4%. A lot of the excise taxes that go into gasoline that's currently suspended are fixed meaning it's $0.35 a gallon or it's $0.40 a gallon. Hear me out when I say this. Every time you tie a fixed dollar value to a tax, inflation ultimately happens. You can't look at a 10-year period in this country's history where $0.35 was the same amount of money as it was 10 years later or 10 years earlier. It always goes up. One of the things that when I sat an elected office that we really sought to do was get out of the business of a lot of that stuff because for the reason I just said, if you tie 35 cents to a gallon of gas, in 10 years, if you don't change it, it's 35 cents. And, it's set in it, and you look at that in the Republicans, in the State House and in Congress, look at those numbers and say, well, they raise taxes on gas. There is a really incredibly easy way to make that go away. You do exactly what the IRS does every single year and take whatever 35 or $0.40 or whatever the General Assembly sits there and agrees upon as today's rate, and you make it a percentage of the gallon of gas. It ain't any harder than that. That way, if you—and you, yes, it will ultimately go up if gas is $3 a gallon today and gas becomes $6 a gallon. the, The percentage and the dollars that go towards the taxes on the gas change but the dollars and cents that go into the general fund for your milling and resurfacing and your bridge replacements on all your state highways and federal interstates also changes. If you want to change things, the right thing to do, if you are a member of the General Assembly or a member of Congress, is tie that to a CPI number or a rate of inflation. So you say, $0.35 35 cents is the is the gallon of gas and the gallon of gas costs three dollars and50 cents then that means that 90 percent of the 350 goes exactly straight into the gasoline and the other 10 cents is is are the taxes well if, if you increase the gallon of gas over time or decrease it stays static That way if the Democrats ever get office and they want to change the conversation so that they have the and they have the ability to to allocate those dollars and cents to other things, it would take a fundamental statute change. Well, then what are we going to do in the name of infrastructure and roads and bridges? And you have to look at it from a bunch of ways. There's a lot of people in 2024, in 2023 and 2024, I'm already getting ahead of myself. I'm ready for election season. They use electric vehicles. Well, it's not fair to me to sit there and tie 10% of my automobile gasoline bill to that, while people who drive electric vehicles get a pass. And the General Assembly has to look at that too. And I'm not saying, I, and I think the fix is actually simple. If you tie something, if you tie an electric car charger to your house and you notify the, the Georgia state government, it's taxed at the same rate based on your power bill, based on what actually the kilowatts that go into your automobile vehicle. Because those people shouldn't get a pass because they drive one type of vehicle over another. Because it treats people unfairly. And that is the one thing that I think inherent unfairness is something that this country needs to seek to get away from. You see it all the time in the weaponization of the Department of Justice with respect to guys like Donald Trump. But you also see it with what people choose to drive and who they choose to marry, the marriage penalty. There are a lot of ways that there's an inherent unfairness. In America in twenty twenty in twenty twenty three. This is extra one oh six three Atlanta's only conservative talk station. My name is Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the Ben Burnett Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. If you will send me a DM and your size and address, I'm not gonna put you on a mailing list. I'm not gonna sign you up for a bunch of propaganda and get you a bunch of election text messages. I'm gonna do better than that. I'm gonna send you a hoodie. From Peach State Pride, performance hoodies. They're very Lulu-like. I know I know the ladies love that. They're probably, by the time we get it to you, we got about a hundred bucks in it, but we've got some sponsorship dollars and the folks at Peach State Pride said, how do we come alongside you? Join in what you're doing. We appreciate the positivity and the morning in America approach that you have and we want to be a part of it. And I said, even better than money, let's give the people what they want, stuff. And that's just the kind of guy I am. Late last week, We saw Democrat Senator Joe Manchin elects not to run for re-election in West Virginia. That decision likely boosts the Republicans' efforts to take back the Senate. I will be 100% honest with you. It guarantees that the Republicans are one seat closer. Manchin was the only guy who could hold that for so long, but as, as they moved left, Manchin fought a lot of the liberal politics and the climate change stuff, but he couldn't fight all of it. And I don't say a lot of nice things about Democrats. Joe Manchin is a guy from another time. He's a guy from the day in time with a value system like somebody in Georgia, like Sam Nunn, where people really supported him. Joe Manchin's kept a lot of the Green New Deal off the table. And yes, he had to vote for the quote-unquote bipartisan infrastructure act. But sometimes when you are going to lose, you have to determine how. And you have to mitigate as much damage as you possibly can because that's ultimately part of being a really effective legislator. There's a lot of people who speculate that Senator Manchin is really upset with the Biden administration over how he's been treated, as well as some of the really, really left-leaning Democrats who just don't like him. They want to drive everything into this climate change, DEI, gender identity. He, and he's fought a bunch of it. He's kept a lot of that stuff away, and Republicans honestly need to be a lot more grateful for a guy like that. It's really easy to have a binary conversation. Say, well, he voted for Joe with Joe Biden eighty-seven point two percent of the time. Cause he's voted with him he, he's he's voted in favor of the Biden agenda eighty-seven percent of the time. But what was not in the eighty-seven percent of the time, what did he keep off the floor that never made headlines? I'm telling you, he's one of the guys that kept this country from getting in a lot worse shape. He's seventy-seven years old. He's angry with the Biden administration, he's about to get run over by a freight truck in a a general election. He just said, hell, I'm getting out of the way. After months of deliberation and long conversations with my family, I believe in my heart of hearts that I have accomplished what I have set out to do for the people of West Virginia. I think he probably honestly has. He plans in future months to travel the country and look for opportunities to mobilize the middle and bring America together. The centrist Senator represents a very and I mean very, maybe the most Republican state in the entire country, Alabama, Mississippi, Alaska, they could probably give it a run for its money. And he's flirting with running for president as an independent. As I think that the Republican race in 2024 is over. I think it's over after three presidential debates. I don't think there's any question about that. I'm not, I'm, I'm turning it off. Like at this point, they can go to Tuscaloosa next month and Vivek Ramaswamy can sit there and, yell at Nikki Haley the fact that his, her daughter does TikTok and he, she had to get control of her own children before. Whatever. Guys, it is over. And Donald Trump is our nominee. But what I will tell you is that we don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Because we don't. There's a million things. Joe Biden's 100 years old. If Joe Biden doesn't run for president, I think everybody probably assumes that Gavin Newsom's the guy who's running for president off the Democrat ticket. I agree with that. I I think that a lot of you will probably be super impressed and dissuaded, even though Newsom has governed like an absolute crazy person, won a recall election in California some two years ago, has sat in in office since 2019. I mean, he's been through it. You need to go back and watch the YouTube video from a couple of years ago when Gavin Newsom was then the mayor of San Francisco, and he was having an inappropriate relationship with somebody who worked for him. And that's somebody who worked for him's husband – happened to be one of the people who really built the guy's political career. It was just horrific. And he just walked out on stage and said, "I want you guys to know all the rumors are true." I was like, "Oh, can you imagine? That sounds uncomfortable." But I and and I digress. I if Biden if Biden's not on the ticket, I think we all think it's probably him. They got to find an answer for Kamala Harris because she polls even worse than Biden does. Who who is polling it really historically terrible numbers. But if you got Donald Trump embroiled in lawsuits and he winds up as a convicted felon. Can he still run for president? I guess technically he can. He can go sit there and appeal it, maybe from prison, maybe not. Who knows what that's going to look like. But it's going to damage him in the middle. It will damage Donald Trump with people in the middle. And I, I don't take anything away from it. I think he polls just slightly ahead of President Biden based on the fact that those two guys have records and the country is in significantly worse shape today than it was four years ago. But when you look at RFK pulling votes away from Democrats. And you look at people and I look, I'm not an RFK apologist. I think RFK has brought a lot of good conversations forward. I think he's incredibly intelligent and honest when it comes to the biometric warfare of China and the COVID virus and all sorts of things. He was a skeptic. He was not a, and he was largely silenced, fired from the New York times as an opinion columnist or a columnist in general. But I think he's going to pull votes away from Biden but I think Joe Manchin's actually somebody who pulls votes away from Donald Trump and I will tell you why. Joe Manchin represents the way a lot of people feel. When you talk about suburban women with feelings, people like myself. I mean I say that, you kind of guys kind of laugh at me. Manchin is pro-choice, but he's not abortion on demand. Manchin is in favor of clean energy but he has done a lot to protect the fossil fuel utilization in his own state of West Virginia. So he's definitely in favor of keeping energy prices down. I think Manchin and somebody like Larry Hogan in that unity party that we keep hearing about, man, I think that there are 10% of people on the left and 10% of the people on the right. And I think they will run to that corner. And I think that the United States of America, if they actually truly see a three way race with Donald Trump and Joe Biden, And all the people, when you see every single poll, New York Times, Washington Post, Fox News, we do not want to watch this race happen again. Yet we all still continue to run to the battle stations and we're going to vote for Biden and we're going to vote for Trump. But if 20% of people on the left who are over it go go to that centrist platform and 20% of people on the right or 15% of the people on the right, I'm telling you, it is going to be really interesting and I have no idea what will happen. But I can tell you, the special interest money, especially out of the oil companies based in Texas, they do not care for Donald Trump at all they, because they don't. Even though they say he's in favor of drill, baby, drill, they know that Manchin has a long-tenured career of protecting their industry. Which brings me to another point. I think the message in this country moving forward is somebody who is fiscally responsible, which I honestly think Manchin would struggle with, but I think that he could eventually overcome it, and I think the number one conversation that our country that is the most important thing to the United States of America is an energy policy that is grounded in reality. We had a, we had the conversation a couple of topics ago about the excise tax and the fact that Brian Kemp is suspending the gas tax. Good for everybody who drives a gas guzzling vehicle like me. Love it. Grateful to you, Governor. I appreciate your sentiments. I like what you're after. Pave my roads. Keep me safe. Leave me alone. But on the scale, if you have somebody in power that the Democrats really don't like, and he convinces somebody like RFK to get out of the way, who and and offers him some sort of cabinet position job, I really think you could be cooking, and I think you can be cooking in a way where like somebody like Ross Perot, who essentially cost George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, the White House in 1992 against Bill Clinton, because he did took 18 percent of the popular vote or something like that, didn't get any electoral votes, gave Clinton nearly every single possible state. I mean, it was a landslide election. Clinton won in the 40s. But if you take two presidential candidates who have been president before, and they're neither one likable, and I can tie the fiscal responsibility of the CEO in the, presidential admi- in, in, in the executive branch, I can tie an anvil around all three of their necks. The, the anvil that that hangs on the least would be a guy like Senator Manchin and Governor Larry Hogan, and you want to look at Maryland and Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina, it's going to put a ton of Republicans and Democrats in a huge box. You look at people like Governor Brian Kemp. I'm not sitting here telling you. He said that he will publicly support Donald Trump for president. I don't know that that makes a hill of beans difference, and I can tell you that the man really probably doesn't want to. He may go out on a stage with him and say the right things, There is bad blood there for plenty of good reasons. I I really, truly, if you look at 60% of the people on both sides of the aisle that don't want to see this election again, and you offer them somebody like a moderate Republican and a moderate Democrat, uh, to me, it's a persuadable argument. I get that there are people on the morning show and the afternoon show and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton who who will go defend one side or the other. I'm telling you, I think the country's there. I think about people like my mom who are very conservative by nature. But she will tell you, she goes to church, she doesn't like a bunch of middle-aged men talking to women about what they can and can't do with their bodies. And you just saw in Ohio that 56-point-some-odd percent of people said, leave abortion restrictions alone. Well, that has to resonate with the American people. And if you want a 15-week abortion ban or a 20-week abortion ban, federally a guy like Manchin's really the only possible option to get something like that done. And I don't think he's ever going to get it done. Look, he's a pro-choice governor. And he has been a pro-choice senator. But I've also seen people in the South, like folks I respect, like Nick Saban, go home to West Virginia and campaign on behalf of Joe Manchin. Guys, Nick Saban is powerful enough in the state of Alabama to put a giant dent in that state. If you think Donald Trump is popular there, they ain't never seen anything. Nick Saban and Richard Shelby, the for, the retired United States Senator. I mean, Shelby won a reelect one time in Alabama outperforming Donald Trump. He got something like 82 or 83% in a reelect against a Democrat. I actually think people like Shelby who are out of the game and people like Nick Saban will go and that will say a lot to the people in in really conservative states. And it might just be enough to really ultimately harm somebody like Joe Biden or Donald Trump. When you have people like that that wade into the conversation, I mean, you think Tommy Tuberville has sat there and been a giant pain in the ass to the Republican Party over confirming military appointments? Giant pain in the ass. There's no two ways around that. Even the Republican caucus, there are a handful of them like Mike Lee that say the right thing. They do not like him. Guys, Tommy Tommy Tuberville represents Alabama pretty well. I will give the man that. Nick Saban is more influential than Jesus in the state of Alabama. You start hanging up W's for national championships at that university, and people listen. And if he comes to town next month to sit in interviews and, and talk to people in the middle while they have the Republican debate in Tuscaloosa, I guarantee you I know who's out there with him. Saban. I think it's going to be a. I think it will be far more interesting to watch than people see on face value. I hope he does run for president. I think the more competitive people we can get in the race, the better. I think the two party system is fundamentally broken, and this may be the year to give everybody more options. The Ben Burnett Show can be found on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays I do long form interviews. A handful of weeks ago, I went down to Savannah and interviewed all kinds of people. Burt Brantley, who used to be Governor Kemp's deputy chief of staff, ran the Georgia Department of Economic Development for a long time. He's now the Savannah Chamber of Commerce president. I interviewed the president of the Convention and Visitors Bureau, went and talked to the airport. So coming up Tuesday, we're going to play the interview with the Convention and Visitors Bureau from, from the city of Savannah. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. When you talk about the things that make places great, some of those travel and tourism arms really help drive some of the revenues that come back to cities. And if you have not been to Savannah lately, it is fabulous. I'll, pound for pound, it's a nicer city than Atlanta. And it's nothing like Atlanta. It's close to the beach. It's got, it's got an enormous port, far less, far less traffic. The weather is about 5 or 10 degrees better, which depending on the month may be a lot better off. But they've also got $1,000 hotel rooms. It is a flawless, it is a city that has come such a long way in such a short period of time. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. On Thursdays, I do my thought in one take. This past week, I unpacked the issues that surrounded the 2023 gubernatorial cycles in states like Mississippi, and we unpacked the Republican unraveling in Virginia, largely over the same abortion issue. It's going to present a huge problem to people, Glenn Youngkin, as he looks to finish out his first term, I wonder what that guy's going to do. He would make a really, really interesting running mate for somebody like Donald Trump, but I don't know if his star has lost some of its shine. People people all over national media on the conservative circles are like, yeah, but look at what he did here. We came up just a little bit short, but he mobilized these people like never before. I can't wait until the dust settles, and we have the opportunity to see what actually What the message actually looks like. What the carnage actually means. Does that mean that Virginia is totally out of play for Republicans in 2024? I'll tell you guys, if we won Virginia as a Republican Party in 2024, Donald Trump would have an extraordinary night like never before. It would be a landslide, massive beating. This is Extra 1063, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. We will be right back.
0: This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch.
1: this is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. This is Atlanta's all conservative talk station and only. My name is Ben Burnett. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can catch my podcast. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. Thursdays, I do my thought in one take. If you will, send me a DM on Twitter, at Ben Burnett, or to Instagram, at the Ben Burnett Show, I will send you a Peach State Pride hoodie. I need your size. I need your address. Give you something nice while it's still lightweight, performance hoodies. I, I You know, in Georgia, I would guess they're probably 10 months of shelf life. You want to go to the lake, it's perfect. You want to wear it in the fall, also perfect. Just tag us anywhere you are. We're growing the brand. Exciting times at the Ben Burnett Show and on Extra 106.3. If you've listened to my podcast over time, I talk about a lot of global events that don't necessarily get headlines, and I love that. I love to take people and I help I love to help shape the perspective that you have about what is truly going on in the world. I think the most important thing that is going on in the world, in the entire world, it's not Israel, it's not Palestine, it's not the United States and their inflation, it's not the Russian war in Ukraine. I think the biggest geopolitical event that the world has to see right now is the Belt and Road Initiative that China has. It's finally catching on to the mainstream media. CNN, this week, at the end of this week, is launching a series called China's Sweeping Vision for the World. And countries are listening. The Belt and Road Initiative is taking Chinese dollars or yuan and they are investing them around the world with infrastructure projects hospitals, ports, interstate systems, they are currying favor with their currency. That is an initiative that closely resembles what the United States has spent a lot of the last 100 years doing. All over the world, you see the Marshall Plan when we rebuilt lots of Europe and Japan after World War II, and we curried a ton of favor. We still live with the results of that decision today. Japan is one of the five largest economies in the world That has happened in the last 80 years. That has happened after the U.S. dropped two atomic or nuclear weapons on them twice and they surrendered. Japan has a self-defense force, but is still guaranteed protection by the United States of America. China, in much the same way, is going to the four corners of the earth. Only they are going to places that have doubts about the United States and Western values, and they are exploiting them with tremendous force. Xi Jinping the Chinese quote-unquote president, is in the first year of his third term. He hasn't actually run against re-election from anybody that hasn't disappeared. But the vision is absolutely cloaked in super abstract language. It essentially casts out an RFP all around the world, and Hong Kong and Taiwan have sounded the alarm, and other places are starting to wake up. You've seen China invest tremendous resources in Mexico, our neighbor to the south, to exploit our NAFTA agreement so that they can get goods and services into the United States even faster. I lay all that out there for one reason, because I'm about to make an entirely different point. The United States has a runway of about about five years to where we ultimately need to make the decisions that are going to lead and guide what we are going to be in favor of over the course of the next 50. A lot of people, especially on the right, are very in favor of the America first regime platform ideology and I understand every bit of it. The United States in no way shape or form should take care of its people. First, we should secure our Southern border because fentanyl, which is created and distributed by the Chinese, utilizing the holes within our immigration system has infiltrated our our country with a tremendous amount of drugs. I, one of the things, the, the biggest shocking thing that I learned when I set an elected office wasn't how to pave a pothole or how to allocate a dollar here or there. I got the opportunity to read the police reports every single week for four years, and they would highlight everything that was coming across. In Alpharetta, Georgia, which is by all accounts one of the nicest cities in Metro Atlanta and really probably one of the top 25 in the country, fentanyl was everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. There were all sorts of Narcan deployments by our public safety, EMS, 911, fire, all the entities that make up your local government were utilized to save people from all over the place because fentanyl had found its way into nearly all of the illicit drug supply. You've seen people, you've you've seen people like comedian Theo Vaughn say when he chose to get sober, it wasn't because he necessarily wanted to get sober it was because it scared him half to death that he was eventually going to go get a bad batch of something. Think about that. Imagine making the sole decision to, to get your life right based out of abject fear of something that a foreign government is utilizing to go after our population. It's totally haven't even mentioned COVID. And I do think that there's ultimately a ton of problems with the America First ideology. But there are also really tremendous problems with NATO and the U.N. Tons. When you look, Turkey is a charter member of NATO who has sat there and carried a ton of favor with Iran, Russia, and China. Guys, if somebody outside of NATO casts a bomb into Turkey, your children will ultimately be called up to defend them in the draft. At first, it may start with just our active duty and reserve military. But that's a country with 100 million people. And they don't share our values anymore. And they want to play it both ways. It is time for the United States to find alliances that value democracy or parliamentarian-style governments. And it is time to coalesce together. And it is time to withdraw from NATO. From the time that we would notify NATO that we were leaving to the time that we could leave, it would take 365, 365 days. We can do two things at the same time. We should absolutely withdraw from NATO, and we should absolutely gut our funding of the UN because we donate or contribute 10 times more than the next closest partner in the United Nations. And 40% of all the UN's budget goes to food insecurity. Well, guys, we have our own issues with dealing with food insecurity in the United States. And if Russia and China are going to veto really wide landscape plain as day issues like voting to condemn Hamas for the attacks on the Israeli governments. And we can't even get consensus on whether or not terrorism is bad. It is fundamentally time to go. So I propose to you that we take our allies, the United States, Canada, Great Britain, Australia, Japan, South Korea, Germany, places all over the four corners of the earth. And we create a massive, massive, Partnership built in free trade and we issue an RFP as a collective group to other countries and say you are either with us or you are either with them and by the way we have five times the amount of money who do you want to be friends with to me it is that simple getting out of the UN and getting out of NATO is something that needs to happen yesterday as much as I want to see the United States be a people on the left and on the right who pull for each other The dissension that exists there bothers me, but the dissension that exists with the United States and our adversaries on a global scale at a 100-to-1 ratio are far more threatening than anything we could argue about with the Democrats here. My name is Ben Burnett. You can catch my podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. This next week, I have the Savannah Convention Visitors Bureau talking about how... Tourism has fundamentally changed in Georgia's most historic city over the course of the last decade. It's not like anything we do on the radio. It will give you a broad range of where to go eat, where to stay, what makes Savannah truly special. It's an incredible town. If you are less than four hours, if you're in my listening audience in Metro Atlanta, you are less than four hours from literally one of the most beautiful places in the entire country, and we don't get out there and see it often enough. We all know New York and Philadelphia and Boston, but Savannah is candidly almost as old. And the infrastructure is just beautiful. How it's been maintained is something that all of us should be really proud of. My name is Ben Burnett. This is Extra 1063, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We will see you guys next week.
0: Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil.